Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You might remember the story. Police say they were killed by their father before he killed himself. Now, sadly, this is an all-too-familiar tale that we have all heard before many, many, many times, right? Domestic homicide happens all too often. And, and to make matters worse, it is almost never a surprise. There is almost always a history. There is things that you can point to that say, okay, we should have seen the warning signs, we should have seen the problems along, and people do, and sometimes, I, I don't know, but I, I wonder if it falls into a category with, given the fact that we can usually see warning signs, it's almost preventable in some ways. Let's find out. We're going to speak with Katrina Scott, who is with the Center for Research and Education on Violence Against Women and Children at Western University. Uh, Katrina, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate your time today. Thank you very much for having me. You know, like I say, we've we've seen these stories uh, so many times. It, sadly, it's not surprising. Maybe it's because I've been in media for so long, I've seen it so many times. But this kind of violence is tragically common, isn't it? It is tragically common. Um, domestic homicides account for about one in eight of all solved homicides in Canada. Unbelievable. And, you know, when we see the murder of two children at the hands of their father, according to police in Quebec, um, that's the final act. That's the ultimate final act, right? I mean, there's a long story usually that leads up to that incident. Absolutely. As you said, you know, domestic homicides are among the most predictable and preventable of all homicides. When we know that when we look back retrospectively and we look at what happened, there are many risk factors and warning signs. Um, so we've been doing these kinds of reviews for a number of years. And, and what we know is that when we look back, um, in like 86% of the cases, there's at least four risk factors. And in 71% of the cases, there's seven or more risk factors. Wow. So there are signs that things are going wrong. Okay, so let's go through it. Is it, is it a pattern that these incidents typically follow starting from here and ending there? Or, or, or what are those risk factors that you've identified? Yeah, I don't think I'd say that there was one pattern, but there are definitely common risk factors. So some of the most common ones are a recent separation, like a separation in the last year or two. And so we know separation is a time of increased danger. Um, other kinds of common risk factors are... Um, a, a sort of a, a perpetrator controlling or, or acting in an obsessive and controlling way towards his partner or his estranged partner or his separated partner. Her sense, and often it's a female because in about 80% of these cases, it's a, a female victim um, and it's most often a male perpetrator. Um, and so uh, her sense of fear and sense of danger, um, whether or not he is suicidal or depressed. So the act of when a perpetrator, somebody who has a history of violence and has some of these other risk factors is starting to feel suicidal, we have to worry about the harm or potential harm to people around him as well. So that's another risk factor. And I guess another one is a recent escalation. So a recent sense that things are getting worse and not better are all things uh, that we know are present in a majority of these kinds of homicides. 
I, I'm wondering, is it always obvious? I mean, I, I imagine part of um, the way this pattern works, and, and like you say, it's not always this pattern, but I mean, the way this kind of behavior, uh, part of it is to try and conceal it, right? Like, I mean, could it be that people aren't aware of what's going on, or is there always some sign that we should be able to spot? Well, of course, there's no always in in any of these cases, but it is the case that often somebody knows, right? And and people have seen and recognized um, or they've seen the warning signs. So often a friend or a family member or a neighbor or a work colleague has seen things that made them concerned. There may be uh, this person may have been to a family doctor, maybe seeing a counselor, may have been involved with um, any other kinds of services, maybe child protection involved. So it's often that people who these people have been talking to, they have they they have some knowledge of these risk factors and warning signs, or they've been told about these risk factors and warning signs. Um, sometimes people don't recognize their significance. Yeah. They don't cut, start to put the pieces together and say, oh my goodness, I should be worried about this. Or sometimes they do and they don't know what to do about it. And so they don't know how to follow up and they don't know what the next step is to try to, to get a some help for the situation. That's what I was going to ask. If we do see this, if we do suspect this, if we do think, boy, that's not right, something's going on there, what, what do you do? I mean, I, I can imagine some people just wouldn't want to get involved. They would see it as overstepping. I mean, what, what is the right course of action if you, say, you have a coworker or a classmate or, or whatever the case may be? Yeah. So one of the things we talk a lot about is trying to open a door to a conversation. Yeah. You know, obviously the person knows their own situation best, but to open the door to say, listen, here are the things that I've seen and that I'm worried about. And then to, to try to provide some resources. So the next step really, and that is if you're talking to somebody who maybe you're concerned about being a victim or concerned about behaving in ways that are hurting or harmful to people around them, the next step is to try to get them into somebody uh, who has the ability to do a kind of more fulsome conversation about risk and what might where they might be and what actions might be taken. And so taking a look at ShelterNet um, and taking a look at your women's shelter and the distress lines that are associated with that across the country, those are probably a really good first step to have those conversations and get people the kinds of, of help that they may need. Excellent advice. Uh, thank you so much, Katrina. I appreciate you being here today.